Okay, good morning, fellow uh, probate real estate professionals. <clears throat> and uh, particularly welcome to uh, EXPers from our EXP workplace. I'm Bill Gross. I'm a real estate broker here in Los Angeles, California. And I focus in on probate real estate. And I organize the EXP probate group in our workplace. We have um, over 300 members. I'd love to have you join. We host this call every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time, which is 1 p.m. Eastern time, to focus in on probate real estate. <clears throat> I go through the, uh, each week we're going to go through the 11 ways that you can generate sales and probate. Um, and last week we did number one, uh, which was how to get uh, probate sales as pre-probates. This week we're going to go number two, assuming we have the filing now, how do we get the probate by marketing to the um, petitioner directly? Now, this is this is the by far the most common. Before I lose you here, there are 11 ways to market to get business, 10, 11 different ones. This one by far is the most common where I feel like companies sell data and kind of push you into that direction. But I'm going to give you maybe some additional ways to think about this that will make your marketing efforts a little more productive. So how do you get, what does this business process look like? Well, first is you have to get the leads. So in some counties, you go to the court to get the leads. In many counties, you can buy the leads. There are a number of companies that sell leads across the country, some in certain areas only. California is by far the most competitive market with the most companies based here. Um, I use um, uh, probate data uh, and I'll put a link in the notes with a discount coupon if you wish to get involved with them. Uh, I don't get any residual. What I did except for them is a discount to our agents who use that code of a 20 or 30% discount, plus a free copy of Kevin's sales book. And Kevin is my probate coach. He's also a title rep here in Los Angeles area. So a free gift and a discount if you use probate data for your data source. So inside people go to the court and get the data themselves, which is, um, you know, another way to do it. I say just monitor your time. If you spend time going to court, that's not time talking to customers, unless it is. What do I mean by that? I would buy the data and go to court not to get the data, but maybe to dig a little deeper in certain cases. But by being in court, I met attorneys and I met personal reps and that led to business. So just track yourself. And if going there is a way for you to get in the door, uh, certainly with COVID, that's a little questionable, but absent COVID issues, um, if it's a way for you to meet customers, then it becomes doubly productive. So let's assume you have the data. What do you do with it? So really, there's five things you have to do. Number one is call, mail, call, mail, call. And what I mean by that is start with that order, calling first. I wouldn't mail to somebody. Now, if you can afford to have mail, you can afford to have somebody call for you. It's much cheaper to call than it is to mail. And so I'd rather call and see what numbers are good and which leads are good to try to weed out the bad ones, to have more money to spend on the good ones. So I would call first, then mail, then call, then mail, and then call. And I would call regularly. Mailing, you may do one, two, three, or some sort of a sequence. But I would call them forever until they list with you or they are no longer in the business of, of real estate. And so what you want to do is you want to call uh, also um, – a wider net, you want to talk to heirs as well as the petitioner. 
Sometimes the petitioner is the bad brother and the one of the heirs is the good brother. Those are great deals because that heir is upset. They need a referral to an attorney, which helps you build your business. Uh, and so definitely you want to, in the beginning, go cast a wide net and then narrow down your lead follow-up. Um, and you want to find out who's in charge. Sometimes in, uh, there'll be several heirs who are fighting over who's in charge. You also want to mail cheaply the first time. So I know there, there's different levels of mailers. There's what I call a high-end, a fancy. I used to do uh, firecracker uh, uh, tubes would be the highest end. Middle end might be a letter folded in an envelope. Maybe look like handwritten on colored paper. And the cheaper would be postcard. I would start with postcards wider to get something out quickly. You'll get bounce backs on the bad addresses. You want to get those cheap. You don't want to send an expensive mailer and ever have it returned. And you can mail out to heirs to see if they're even involved or interested, more cheaply a wider distribution. So I'd recommend your first mail would be postcards and wide and fast, as fast as possible. And then when you get back the bounce backs, diligently pull them out of your mailing database. So going forward, you can increase your spend or the quality and not waste money. Um, okay. Also include part of your marketing is going to the property. Why do I say that? Because there's nothing that an out-of-state petitioner likes more than inside information. There's a squatter there. There's a broken window. There's a flooding. There's cars parked in front regularly. So going by the property is fantastic. Also, to find the uh, petitioner, find whoever's in charge. Now, when you go to a when you go to a, a um, house, you already parked your car. You might as well door knock around it. Door knock ten houses around it. And do at the other house to start off with the, I'm a realtor. Have you thought about selling your house? By the way, do you know anything about that house across the street? And you'll find occasionally the neighbor knows, oh, that guy, he, he's the manager at this liquor store. Oh, he owns this business. Oh, he lives two doors down. And so by door knocking and adding, you'll add value by creating value to the air, as well as learning and getting more leads. I got back an email, a, a note here. Let's see, bounce back. This court data, how can you even have one wrong address and file? Well, I'm more speaking to when you buy data from a data source and they do skip, skip tracing and try to find that. Second, even court data, sometimes the attorney will look up errors and do skip tracing and not know the error. They're just anticipating that's the address. They may or may not know. It's, it, it's always surprising me how many in probate don't know addresses and names of their relatives. I don't know, maybe because I come from a more, it's hard to believe my family is that functional and there's that many more dysfunctional families in the world than mine. But uh, apparently you know, a lot of people don't know the addresses for their errors or, or, or lost track of them. So, and then second, in particular, when you buy data, many times they have the name right, they don't have the mailing addresses and they'll skip trace and those addresses can be uh, iffy. Probably data has the personal representative's address. I assume that would be correct time the time. Um, yeah, unless they typo it, unless they put the wrong address in for some reason. Uh, I've had that happen. Um, and um, uh, But yeah, uh, or they moved them in the middle of the process. You know, some probates, I'm doing the probates are open a year, two years, three years. People change addresses as well. So again, I don't know that I would say it's a big piece of business, but whatever it is, I want to weed out the bounce back so I can afford to spend more money on those that are good deals. And I would just say, every time I've ever mailed anything, I get back, I don't know, 5%, 10%, it seems like, just 
I, I for various reasons, I, I couldn't even speak to you as why. Okay, so again, I would say call mail, call mail. We said mail wide, including the heirs, cheaper on the first time because you can get some bounce backs. You want to find out who the players are. Some people are not open. They've already picked a realtor, some are a realtor. So you want to spend a little bit of money to find out who those people are ahead of time. Oh yeah, I got your mailer, but I'm a realtor. Uh, in our world as the XP, of course, we might want to talk to them about the advantage to joining our program and then you can give them help with the probate for free. Um, track your numbers. Really important. Uh, track your numbers when you call people. How many do you actually talk to? How many do you actually contact? You know, the best agents I knew uh, in my career, they worked expired listings. They worked in a way where they pulled up expired in their neighborhood and they went to every single one at the door. And if they weren't there, they just made notes of when they were there. And they went back again. And they called in every single expired forever until they met the people. Imagine if you approach probates the same way. And you just kept tra tracking down each one until you finally got a hold of them. But you got to track your numbers and be scientific about the process. Next, come from being a service. Don't come from getting a contract. One of the key distinctions of probate is we're here to help families. We're here to help the community. If that's not genuine for you, you're in the wrong business. This is going to be a tough, tough sell for you. You've got to really come from, I'm here to help. I'm here to be of assistance. I'm an expert in the process. I'm going to save you a lot of heartache. I'm going to save you legal fees. It's amazing to me how stupid some attorneys are and some uh, estates are and how insistent they are in wasting money by picking uh, an attorney or picking an agent who knows nothing about real estate. Every day I'm confronted with families who waste ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 because they don't pick somebody who knows what they're doing. So come from being a service. Um, you want to weed out the people who aren't interested or that you don't want to work with so you can market to those that are left. Um, I know that we think of marketing as being a, a one-time, everybody who signs up for probate Imagine they're going to get the data. They're going to mail out the cards. Five people call them. They'll list three of them, and they'll be living happily ever after. It doesn't really work that way. For the most part, you're talking about a relationship. So you have to weed out the people who you don't like, who are mean, nasty, or whatever. And that helps you lower the cost and focus on people you want to work with. And next, understand that it is a uh, relationship you're looking to build. It's going to take multiple contacts, multiple phone calls. What's the next step? Well, when you call them initially, do they have the letters yet? They've applied, do they have them yet? Ideally, call them before they have them approved. When's your hearing date? Maybe you know that. I see your hearing date is on May 4th, or, uh, February 4th. Give you questions, are going to help in any way? Sorry, I missed that. In the beginning, sorry, Siri's getting involved here. Um, <clears throat> everybody knows, everybody's an expert in the beginning. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the nose. My experience is once they... Uh, go to court and get declined, then all of a sudden they're a little more op uh, open to working with you. Um, but but don't but know it's a relationship and it's going to take time and multiple phone calls to get through them. Don't assume because they don't work with you in the beginning that, that that's uh, not going to work. Um, okay, let's see here. Court process does everything on Zoom in Duval County. If probate cases are on Zoom, can anyone still overbid properties on Zoom? Does that happen in LA? So in LA, uh, you can overbid on Zoom uh, and or, and, and what I do is I still go to court. I prefer to go to court. I'd rather hear. There's no technical problems. I can see the face. I can talk to the judge. So I actually go in person. Um, but um, 
Um, and, but almost everything could be done on Zoom theoretically. Okay, back to strategies. So we said multiple contacts, it's a relationship. Oh, don't take no as no. No just means no for now. If they're not gonna list with you, not gonna, we're not working with a realtor, I don't need a realtor. That doesn't mean forever. It means right now, that's my belief today. That doesn't mean that if you don't continue to send them worthwhile information about the probate process, worthwhile information about the real estate process, and a month goes by, that doesn't mean they might, might not change their mind a month from now. And that's all sales. It's no just means no for now. We have to understand that. Everybody has an agent. I know what it's like in Florida where you are, Neil, or, but I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Everybody has an agent or two. So when they say that, you have, to have, you have to be prepared to say, I appreciate that we all know real estate agents. I know 20 of them. But I'm the only one I know that specializes in probate and can help you avoid the pitfalls of making a couple key mistakes. I'd love to just get a few minutes with you to walk you through the process if I could. Right? You have to, and, and the way we handle objections, uh, I do an objection handling class, but the three steps of objection handling, uh, repeat, affirm, and then handle the objection. You know, a realtor, wow, so do I. We all do, don't we? Make them feel right about their position. Make sure they're heard. Then we come back with our comeback. So everybody has an agent. Um, you either work with or cooperate with and help um, them with their attorney or you compete with them, one of the two. Sometimes I'll say, well, we have an attorney lined up. Interesting. What if I can show a way to save you, you know, how much is trade charging you? $5,000? What if I can show a way to save five or $10,000? Would you be interested? Would that be important to you? And some people know, you know, be honest, $10,000 is nothing on the half million dollar house. Okay. Other people, yeah, I'm all ears. Tell me about that. So I've learned to get very close with paralegals and with probate services that can refer customers to that can do Routine matters better than the average attorney in my experience. Not legally, but better in terms of outcome for the client. Clients happier more often with a service than they are with, a, with an attorney on routine cases where there aren't um, litigants. Remember the hierarchy. There's, there's mail, text, call, meeting them in person. We want to meet them in person. The purpose of mail is to get a phone call or text, or let's say text. Purpose of text is to get a phone call. Purpose of phone call is to get a meeting with a person. We want to move up that hierarchy, our relationships, or down, depending on however you have your funnel. But our goal is to make sure we understand, we don't mistake mailing and texts outgoing as being as viable as phone calling and or uh, talking to them in person, way more valuable. When I say a person, I understand it's COVID. Maybe that means Zoom. Maybe it means in person. Uh, maybe Zoom by appointment. But remember the hierarchy. Uh, strategy point eight I have is see the property, know the property. Know the property. Know the liens in the property. If there's a mortgage on it or not. All the information you get on the property is helpful to them and to the attorney. Deeds. We're going to tell up to get a whole package if we can to them right away. Be the real estate expert. Be there to answer all their questions. And then my last point on, on marketing to petitioners is keep notes. Information is powerful. 
information is the most valuable commodity, according to Gordon Gecko. And so you know something about the property or the case, you have an opportunity and advantage over anybody else. But only if you remember that information and you use that information. So make sure you take notes. So again, real quick, I'll, I'll summarize the nine strategy points. Come from being a service. Weed out the losers. Weed out the people you don't want to work with, lower your costs. It's multiple contacts because you're building a relationship. Don't take no for no. No is for now. Everyone has an agent. Be ready for that objection. Either work with their attorney or find some way to get them working with your service. Remember the hierarchy of contacts, mailing, texting, phoning, and then meeting. See the property, know the property. The agent who sees the most property wins generally. And number nine is keep notes and use those notes as a weapon. Okay, so that's what I prepared today on marketing directly to petitioners as opposed to attorneys. Next week we'll go over way number three is how to market to attorneys. Any questions on how to market to petitioners? Let's start with questions there first. Any questions on marketing to petitioners? Welcome, Attend. Nice to see you. Hey, Sydney, nice to see you as well. Um, yeah, so, Bill, I was looking. I've got a, um, I think I sent you my packet because I've got a 9 by 12 white, manila, white envelope cover letter. Um, I don't know if you can see this too well, but it's overwhelmed. Yep. I'm here to help. Yep. Um, within the packet. And then I've got on glossy paper um, from MTI Education, I have like the probate process and the timeline. And then I figure a week later, I'll call them up and ask them if they got the packet, try to get an appointment. And um, I want to separate myself from everybody else who's doing cold calls without any personal connection i feel that that four letter packet establishes something in their mind that i'm different than everybody else and it's a very professional looking thing and then i put together about a 12 page packet um, with definitions and all sorts of information on the inside um, when i meet with them to give to them that's got my information on it and hopefully that'll allow me to get the listings help them with state sales um, whatever else they need i've got i'm making connect people who do estate sales. I'm getting apprenticed by a professional photographer that does real estate photography so I can get in and, and um, work for them. Also make a commission while I do my own photographs um, on their property and other properties in the area. So um, I'm not comfortable just calling first and weeding out. I like, I like, I would send this out. I'm doing only a hundred leads a month. So for me, a hundred leads, you send this out. I'm, I'm hoping I can convert 10%, not 1% or 2%. Is there a question there? No, 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 but I'm, you said that's a good, yeah. Um, Here's the thing. Here's the thing I would say to you. Mm -hmm. You start off with an assumption that you want to be true. Okay. Question is, is it true or not? We don't, we don't know. Well, marketing is trial and error, isn't it? Exactly. So you could say mail to half of them and, and just call half without mailing and see what your results are and test the difference. My experience having done that, not in this case, not with your material, but in general, because calling is basically free. It's just your time. And when you're starting out, you have more time than you have money. 
my experience is that you have much better results calling rather than waiting to call for mail order to have an impact. I've, I cannot tell you how many packages like that I've seen at, client, at prospects homes having gone there on appointments where they'll, they'll almost laugh and pull out 30, 40 presentation packages. Now I'll say more in the expire listing space than in probate, but people tell me they get 30 or 40 letters in probate. And I don't know that necessarily when, when you call people, they associate you with the package. You assume they will. Um, I think that uh, I think the package is great. I think I, I I'm not sure. I, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. Let me ask you this: What's it cost you per package you're sending out? Um, the postage is a dollar twenty. Okay, but what's the and then I buy I buy in bulk the uh, the non bank twelve envelopes, and okay. I got a well. Hold on one second. So here's here's the thing. What concerns me when I ask that question, I'll get an answer because the answer is the postage plus the printed materials not even counting your time, right? And I'm just going to guess, based on what you saw me, it's going to cost about two bucks to make one of those packages. A buck to mail is about three bucks per. You get 100 leads a month, that's $300 a month of mailing costs. Nothing wrong with that. But I don't know that I would wait a week just because I'm mailing out. I would call right away and then call a week later as well. I don't know that that you're, you're and you might test it with half of them and just see how those numbers work. If you're making that kind of investment of money. Um, and then how many mailing, how many times are you going to mail to somebody? Uh, five times. So well, what happens is one time. So you're, you're going to mail people one piece of mail. And then follow up with phone call after phone call after phone call. Okay. And so, so you might consider testing that versus say for the same cost as that package, you might be able to send out five postcards every week or every other week, which is, you might just take two groups and try both and see. Ultimately, that's what you have to get to to make it make it into a business. And well, what I suggest to you is these leads are going to be around for six months in a year. So you're just going to stop mailing to them, but you're going to call them uh, versus spending money and spreading out the mailing costs over a longer period of time. Um, I, I think you're going to find the frequency will have more impact than the um, impact of a larger package like that. And I would only mail a package like that to me I talked to. But again, uh, that's just my opinion and my experience in unrelated fields. I cannot speak from experience in probate. And I would say test it to find out what the right answer is. You start with the assumption you're right because you want it to be right. Because you want well, to make the phone call. Well, hold on. Just let me finish. Because you want it to be right so that you don't have to make the phone calls. Just don't make the assumption so that you get out of doing the hard work. I hate making cold calls. I hate it. Well, again, let's just acknowledge <laughs> that. And so that don't use that to justify your scientific assessment. We still have to be scientific in our assessment. And if you don't want, if you say, well, I don't care, I'm not going to do them anyhow. I'm trying to find a business where I don't have to cold call. That's fine. I can appreciate that. But don't start with the assumptions better because it may not be better. It may be your choice because you're limiting yourself as what you want to do. Okay. Good. Well, actually, again, that's just my opinion on it uh, and, and my experience in it. But again, I can't say I have any particular. We'll find out with yours. Um, but I would say call early, call often. And I would say mail early and mail often. You know, do you have the packages all made up and ready to go? So you just slap on labels to get them out or you start to print them when you get the when you get the data? Basically, I'm going to do six a day and 
every single day, Monday through Friday, I'm going to do six, 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 six a week later. On Monday, I'm going to call the six I mailed the week before. Tuesday, I'll do, I'm just going to start that way and just see how that goes. And with any, I, I, I have a degree in business management. I'm going to assess and reassess and tweak whatever I have to do as I see how things are going. But um, that's going to be my starting plan just to get in a consistency of doing the touches that I need to do in so, addition to other things. So I'll just share with you. I think you'll probably reach about one in eight on average people that you call. That'd be great. That's 10 out of 100. Well, yeah. If you're calling six a day, it means many days you'll talk to nobody. Most days you talk to one. The challenge of that is it's hard to be good at something you only do once every other day or so. You're better off, I think, calling them all at one time when you're, you're ready, you're distract, distraction-free, you do a little bit of role play, so you're, 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 you're ready to discuss the matter, you're focused in on that matter alone, you turn your phones off, and you can make phone calls for an hour or two. My experience is you're way more effective immersing in something than you are, because six a day to me would be um, challenging to be on purpose on those phone calls. Because again, you talk to, if you talk to one in eight, and, and you know, again, those are just based on some scientific data I've done recently. Uh, if you're only gonna talk to one in eight, uh, you're gonna talk to one one day, one not the next day, one the next day. It's hard to be good at something you only do once a day. So this is about being good on the phone too. You know, you spend the money, into, uh, the money on the mailing to be presented properly. You wanna make sure you, you, you hold that up. So again, I would urge you to call them all as soon as you have them. You can always mail later, recall them again. If, you're, if your position is they don't know who you are because they didn't get your mailer, then the next week they get your mailer. When you call them, they'll know who you are, I guess. So I wouldn't let that hold me back. Okay, any other questions on, um, we lost, uh, uh, somebody came on and jumped off. Uh, uh, Cindy, any questions you have or attend any questions you have, particularly on probate leads, marketing to petitioners? No? No, you had a couple uh, other questions. Uh, I do. Hang on, let me uh, go through my list. Hang on a second. I was told <clears throat> with uh, MCA Education, they don't recommend taking both sides of commission. Um, they said that could, there's a lot of people that are with Sue uh, Happy that could open up some doors to that. But my mentor at EXP, I spoke to him about that earlier today and he said oh absolutely you could take both sides of the commission there's attorneys that protect both sides so um i've got two conflicting uh sides of the equation i wanted your input see what you say about that so first thing i always say is you have to when you list a property you list it before you deal with the buyer side right mm -hmm. if we're talking about that case scenario you have an agreement with your seller to do what's in their best interest. So anything you do with anybody else has to be in the best interest of your seller. Correct. So I tell my sellers, generally I don't double in my own deals. I'm not that agent that uses my, the, your listing and is willing to accept a little lower price so that I double in the deal. I don't do that. and make my buyer uh, client happy at your expense. I don't do that. But Occasionally, a buyer comes along that I think I can uniquely help you by being their buyer agent to speed things up. And if that happens, I'll justify that to you. And if you're okay with it, I'll write the offer and represent them. But my, I have a contract with a seller that I cannot amend that without their permission to work with a buyer. Even though in California, we sign something up front 
and the sellers give me written approval to work with a buyer, I don't think they really understand what that means. And so I'll uh, recopy that with them before I accept the offer. Now, there's the flip side, which is somebody has a house for sale and I'm gonna present an offer. I approach them to list the property and they go, well, make me an offer. And I have a, an offer on the property. Now I don't have a contract with either party. You have to deal with both of them. And I would say to you, I, I'm not comfortable in that position. I'd rather not, but there's no other agent. I don't wanna pay anybody else. So I have to make sure I walk that fine line and do both. So here's here's what I'm of, not doing is purposely setting every deal up to double end every deal like many agents do. So here's what I'm thinking with probate. Um, I ran this by my my uh, my mentor also got his input, so I'm going to get your input on this also. So let's say I get a probate listing. I've got strategy where I could tell the person we can try to get my pool of investors, see what their highest bid is. Then once I have the highest bid, I could go to express offers, see what they offer. And then we can decide if we want to do a cash offer or if you want to put money into the house and sell it retail and make instead of 150,000, maybe $250,000 by putting $25,000 into it. But we might have to wait longer. Um, so that's kind of my idea of how I want to market what's in the best interest of the estate. How can we get the most money for what's in the estate? So um, do you see anything wrong in that? that philosophy just remember that you that you have potentially two clients and you have an obligation to both of them you can't you can't just make the investor happy now obviously with um express offers we don't have that same relationship that we do with a normal investor so there's less risk of that but i would say to you just be careful that uh you can do it uh make sure both parties are aware that you're representing both parties and make sure that you're treating both parties as clients. That's critically important. Well, I'm not really representing the buyer. I'm just putting it out like on well, that's a- that's not an issue. Well, that's not an issue. It's only an issue if you're representing both parties. Oh, okay. So if I bid it out and I, and I take the highest bid, I'm also representing that buyer as the investor in addition to the listing because I found that buyer, correct? Well, not with express offers, you're not. No, not with express offers, but with uh, a pool of investors. I don't know your particular relationship with your particular investors. So I, I, you'd have to, you know, it's generally. Just, it's a networking group. It's just, you know, you set it out there. You, right. and, and Generally, yes. Generally, if you represent them, now, now you need to make sure you've got your seller's permission. Because remember, before you have the buyer's contract, you have a contract with the seller to represent them. Right. They're entitled to, their, to what you agreed to do. Exactly. That's exactly what their consent. Exactly. Well, not just even consent, they need to understand it and appreciate it. Because we can get them to consent to anything by shuffling papers fast enough and they don't pay attention to it. Gotcha. Okay, good. Any other questions? One more? One more. <laughs> okay. Um, when it comes to um, MTI, they talked about doing a, a probate comparative market analysis. That way you give it to their, at the time of the decedent's passing. So that goes to their accountant and the, um, and they could use that for the estate taxes and things like that. But I talked to my accountant today. He said that you don't want that. You want a real appraisal because that's what they really need is the appraisal, not the, uh, not a realtor's CMA. Does that sound accurate to you as well? I agree. Okay. I agree. And in California, they actually have to get a probate referee's inventory and appraisal report. They actually have 
by law to go through a particular court process to get that report. So okay. there's no shortcutting that. Gotcha. Okay, cool. MTI has some good stuff, but also, and of course, every state's a little different. So um, depends. Okay. Any other questions before we wrap up? I'm not seeing any. Attend, no, no questions for you. Uh, it seems to be a different type of probate. Okay, she says she's good. Okay, I think we're good. Hey, look, Monday mornings, 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Every week we do this call. I'm Bill Gross. I, uh, I post this afterwards on YouTube. I mean, in the uh, workplace. So you're always welcome to see the recording there. If I can help, please let me know. And I appreciate you guys' time today. Thank you.